but it describes height, weight, eye color, occupation, number of siblings, their ages. With that type of information, you can go back to a census, and if you know the general area where they lived, you can put their name in and start the search. I managed to find my birth mother and her family, the siblings, their ages and sexes all matched up, the ages of her parents, which was also in there, matched up. It has to be that person. What can you tell me about your biological parents? I can tell you that my father was very tall, six foot six. He had green eyes, which there's not a lot of green-eyed people out there. Uh, my mother, on the other hand, was very short, five foot one and a half. Dark brown eyes, brown hair. Father was 27 years at the age of my birth. My mother was 22 years at the age of my birth. Knowing I was adopted, I always thought it was just probably an instance of two kids who got in trouble. Well, it's a little more complicated than that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My birth father was married to somebody else when I was conceived and born. That puts me right on the outside of a nuclear family. Mm. What can you tell me about your birth mother? Okay, she was 22 years old. She had gone to two years of school. She was a court stenographer. After she found out she was pregnant, she probably informed my birth father, who probably informed her of his situation. That he was a married man. And guessing that he hadn't done that before. Reading between the lines in the paperwork, but I think probably she was really hurt about that because she insisted... When she put me up for adoption, that the birth father not be involved. Caseworkers uh, stated to her the case for making, you know, establishing paternity. She said she didn't want to do it. She paid for my delivery and my adoption out of her own pocket. She still lives in the same town in northern North Dakota that I think she's lived most of her life. She did marry later. She had three children, all grown, of course. Because I went through an intermediary social service-type company to contact her, and she did not want to establish personal contact, which they've explained later, you know, when, when these women get to be in their upper 70s and 80s, quite often tends to be that they don't want to establish contact because it does bring up a lot of bad memories and they just really don't want to deal with it. I understand it totally. Tell me a bit about what you learned those women went through at that time in the late 50s, an unwed mother. It was pretty horrendous for some of those women. One woman was made by her parents to wear a bag over her head when they took her to, there was an unwed mother's home in the eastern part of the state. That's something that's burned into that unwed mother's memory to this day. Another thing I've heard is uh, sometimes the delivery room doctors wouldn't give them uh, painkillers, pain relievers. And it's just, it just seems so wrong yeah. when you look back at it. And you can understand why it brings up a lot of bad memories. Through this search in the past year, what did you learn about your biological siblings? I learned that there are four of them 
with an hour within an hour of where I live and have been there about their entire lives. I have one that's about three hours away, and I have one that's way out in California. The first sibling that I met was a brother, and he lives about an hour south of me. It's been just wonderful with him. We've met a couple of times, and we've talked a number of times. He's been very open, very accepting, just a very nice guy. But he indicated that the three that live in the northern part of the state might not be so accepting. So you, so you grew up an only child. Yep. <laughs> married a woman who was uh, who had 12 brothers and sisters, and now at age 60, um, you find you have nine biological siblings. How did you decide to reach out, start reaching out to your siblings? I started through Ancestry. You can message people. And one of the first people I messaged, or ironically enough, was not my brother. It was his son. So he'd be my nephew. He showed up first. As we got farther into this, I would quote bits of what it said in my adoption papers about the height of my birth father, the color of his eyes, what he did. And finally he says, you know, that sounds a lot like my uncle. I'm going to confer <laughs> with my dad. So then his dad, my brother, also ordered the DNA kit, and it came back, you know, as my half-brother. And then his sister in Montana did the same thing, and she has her results, and she comes back as a sister. Um, what was it like meeting your very first brother for the very first time? I was a little nervous, and I'm sure he was too, but we visited for over three hours. It was, it was very nice. He sent back with me, which I still have, a, a copy of the... Uh, the family tree in a three-ring binder, you know, with all the history and everything. So been nothing but warm and accepting. He seems like a very nice man. And uh, later on, he brought his wife to our place for, for lunch and a good visit, and they stayed over eight hours and had a great time. And part of the painful part about this is that it involves some infidelity. So did he know of his father's infidelity? I don't think he did. Okay. Um he indicated some characteristics about his father that, you know, I think his father maybe liked to go out and have a few beers after work or go out and get together with friends. You know, I think he was more of a freewheeler, whereas his mother was more a stay-at-home. Mm -hmm. In the pictures I've seen of her, she just looks like this sweet little angel. <laughs> Has it been hard for your brother to reconcile that his father was unfaithful to his mother? He hasn't really said that to me or indicated that to me, but it has to be. Mm. It has to be. And one of the things that we both agree on is that at this point in her life, she just turned 85. There's no need to, to burden her with this. So to your knowledge, she doesn't She doesn't know, know or... and we don't want her to know. Yeah. Because the, there's no reason for it. For your great-great-grandchildren listening to this years from now, is there any wisdom you'd want to pass on to them? What would you want them to know? I'd want them to know that there can be many different levels of the definition of family. Get yourself comfortable or acquainted with all of them. Mm. 